Repeat the topic with me, please. Say, you must listen before you build. In our study, we have been talking about how you cut a new path for your life. That's the theme for the year. My goal is to answer that question and to try to show you how you do this. How do you get your life on another road and make it better? In our graphic, where we show you this graphic that has this, this guy walking down this road, and, and it's really a, a powerful image because it, it shows you a person who's deciding, I want something different for my life. I want something that's not the same. And sometimes in life, you live your life with the assumption that things are going to be the same. And I believe things can change. And I believe you decide that. No one decides it for you. One of the great truths that I live by is nobody is planning for my success. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Nobody is planning for my success. If you think someone's planning, tell me their name. Now, you young people, you may have a parent for a season, but after a while, they stop. They give up. They try for a season. Somewhere around college, life, years, they give up. They stop planning for you. They, their goal was to get you to school, and then they thought the school would take over the rest. Expose you to some ideas. Then they'd ask you the big question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, some of you are growing up and you're still trying to figure that out. And that's okay. And I don't think you have to be one thing. I think you can be several things in life. Come on, can I say, man, uh, you, you can be a soldier for a while and you can be an entrepreneur for a while and you can be retired for a while. You come out of retirement and go back and be an entrepreneur again and you know what I'm saying? I think you, you know, some of you, you were married for a while. You've made past or things didn't work out. Then you had to get married again. Then, you, you know what I'm saying? You done lived three, four lives. <laughs> you cut new paths all the time. You, some of you, how many of you uh, were not born in Savannah? Raise your hand. Look at that, everybody. Lord Jesus, all you visit. All, who was born in Savannah? I was. Okay. Um, but I was raised in Los Angeles. Okay, so how many of you, let's see, how many of you have lived um, uh, let's see. I want to see where you lived at. Let's see. Uh, wait, uh, okay, I'm scared. It's going to be all over the place. I'm here all kind of. Sorry. Just say it out loud. Where you lived at? One, two, three. You heard all that? Good. Say it one more time. Where, you, where have you lived at? One more two. You heard that? New Orleans, Texas, Alabama, Mississippi, all over the place, California, Germany. I mean, just all over the place. You come from everywhere. Tell your neighbor, say, it's good to have you with us. Come on, tell them, say, it's good to have you with us. You're from everywhere. You've been everywhere. And what's really powerful is when you think about that, you know what it's like to cut new paths, make new friends, move out of one house into another house, start a new career. People see you and name you by your old profession. Hey, teacher. One day they'll say, hey, Pastor Rick. I said, who's that? Me, oh. Me, I was I'm that guy. I was for a long time. You say, Pastor Rick, you think you won't be a pastor one day? Of course not. Of course. One day, for your sake, I won't be. You can't just stay. You have to pass the baton. Can I get an amen? amen. Don't get sad. I ain't going today, thank God. I mean, y'all keep me around a few more minutes. But, you, you know, there's a moment when you have to learn the power of transition. But the question is, how do you do it? You, here's how you do it. You cut a new path by building a better you. Can you say it with me, please? Come on. 
building a better you. What I'm doing right now is showing you where we've been. We've been talking about how you build a better you. And I asked you a great question. What decisions can you make that will make your life better? What decisions can you make that will make your life better? You, by yourself, nobody else. I'm on that kick right now, making Ricky a better person. Then secondly, I asked you the question, once you decide you want to be a better you, what do you need? You need a better vision. A better vision. So here's the question I ask you. How far do you see down the road? Can you see beyond your script? Remember my script? I had a script, and I said, the problem is you have a script for your life, and nobody else has read it. Sometimes you, you, you're reading from your script. You're angry because they didn't see your script. You, 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 your movie script is not theirs. Sometimes you have to listen, keyword, listen to learn what their script is and how they define things. But once you decide to be a better you, decide you want, you, you, you want to see, you have better vision, now the hard work starts. You've got to build a better foundation. A foundation is important. And I'm going to talk today about foundations, and I want to ask you one big question in this part of the series today. What are you building for yourself? What are you building? You ever thought about it? You know, you just get some stick, go to, go to the lumber yard and just grab some wood and some nails and just start hammering. You need a plan. You need an idea in your head of what you want to become. That's what, that determines the kind of foundation you build, the size of it, the depth of it. So what are you building for you and those that follow you? The reason I do sermons this way is because I'm trying to say I'm going someplace. I, I really feel like sometimes sermons are every Saturday night's dream and you get up Sunday morning and deliver it, but that's not a map. I want us to go someplace. I really do. Can I get an amen to that? Down the road, we're going to take a turn and we're going to talk to you about the importance of financial foundations. And I want to ask you to prepare for that. It's going to come up probably after Easter. Um, I'm going to talk about it for quite a while. So all those people um, who don't like to talk about money probably shouldn't come to church. Um, but if you need some, please come. And I plan to talk about it in two volumes. It'll be a pretty uh, good series, long series. But the goal of it is to help us understand the power of it and the power of how it can change our lives it gives us the ability to do amazing things and not just talk all the time. Can I get one final amen? amen? Let's get on to it. Please, building a better foundation. There's four parts to this series this month. Uh, we're going to talk about it from four different angles. First of all, we're going to learn how to listen and how listening affects your building. So repeat with me, please. Say, learn to listen before you build. We're going to be in the book of Daniel and a little bit of Jeremiah, but mainly in the book of Daniel in this study. But the goal is to, to talk about listening, and that's what we'll talk about today. Secondly, next week we'll talk about learning how to build in a hostile environment. Say that with me, please. Come on. Learning how to build in a hostile environment. Daniel and those guys operated in a hostile environment. There's an assumption that Christians make, and I'll talk more about this at the end, that somehow if they're really close to God, that God takes them from all hostility. That is totally untrue. Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace but a sword. I did not come to join people together. There's going to be divisions when I come. People are going to turn on each other. Mother against father, father against mother. It's going to be people don't like each other, all because you take a stand. And we'll talk more about that later. Thirdly, we're going to talk about learning how to train to be, and be ready for a hostile environment. Training is important. Hostility works 
um, against you uh, more effectively when you're not trained. When you're trained and prepared and you understand hostility is a part of it, it helps you. Fourthly, we're going to talk about in our Youth Sunday, learn, learn in your youth to be focused. There's something about focus. So the key words are listen. Come on, say listen. listen. Hostility, Hostility. Training, training, and focus. Those are the words we're going to focus on this month. And each of those words will take us down the road and show us how you build a better foundation for your life. You will never build one if you're not focused. You will never build one if you're not trained. You will never build one if you can't manage hostility. And you will never, ever build one if you cannot listen. And so today we jump into Daniel chapter 1. And let me show you the results, the long-term results of people who did not listen. In Daniel chapter 1, this is a story that is shocking to me because it takes us down a path that is a surprise. Listen to what it says. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and did what? Besieged it. He took it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, that bothers me too, the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God and he brought the articles into the treasury, treasure house of his God. When I read this story, I'm, I'm, I'm shaking to my core because it, the reality of it, oftentimes Americans don't get. Because no one's ever besieged them. They have a very strong army. They have a very strong police force. They have weapons. The strongest, without question, nation on the planet today is America in terms of its firepower. It can defend itself. You, can, you jump on us, you do jump off pretty quick. They're bad dudes. They can fight. They're trained. They're skilled. They got the Army, the Air Force, the Navy. They got FBI, CIA. They got a whole bunch of weapons. They're, this is not a place you just go attack. You think about it. Now, is that a hua? What I hear all that hua. <laughs> I hear some hua. That's right. Tell them, boy. We do fight. We are the Roman Empire of our day in many ways. In terms of us having, in, in terms of us having strength, but you have to remember, there's an underbelly to the Roman Empire that was very profound, and you see it in our politics. You see a dangerous side that concerns me. But without diving into that deep water, let me just say this: I want you to picture what this means, and I'm going to change the names to make it real for you. In the third year of the reign. Jehoiakim, king of Judea, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Savannah, Georgia, and besieged it. Think about it that way. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, or gave Savannah into the hand of its enemies. Imagine that thought. Now, you may not really understand what that means until I say they took your house, your car, your DVD player, and they put you out your house, took your job, and lined you up, and marched you out of town. Then they took over Georgia. Then they took over the southeast, took over all your relatives. All your children were separated from you, and the only things you had to wear was what they gave you. That's what this means. And what you see in this story, we're going to look four guys, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the four guys you know. This study is going to talk about how these four guys end up in this place. And, and this is all because of one reason. The nation 
refused to listen, and they waited too long to listen. They were warned about this. They were warned that a judgment was coming upon them. And that's what he says. God gave them over. There was no, they, they, they and I, don't, I, don't, I know you think you're bad. I know you think you're awesome. But you hide behind a very strong army today. You hide behind, uh, even, even today, there's security around you today, if you hadn't noticed. There's, there's, there's this place you hide that you, where you can't, you don't have this experience. There's somebody even in this room to fight for you today. And that's intentional. I want you to picture this. When you go to a foreign country, this is when you have a really interesting experience. When you go to places, certain places in the world, and there is no 911. There is no 911. There is not even, it's just, it's just amazing to be where there is no 911. And when I take my girls places, I'll say, ladies, there is no 911 here. So here are the rules. Here are the guidelines. Here's how we travel. Here's what we do. <clears throat> when I get invited places, there's a conversation I have to have. Uh, we need to create our own 911 situation here because it's real. And so these guys have no one to call. They are besieged. Their rights are taken away. Their car, their cell phones, everything. Everything's gone. They own nothing. Imagine waking up tomorrow morning and owning absolutely nothing. You don't even have a career. You have no job. You do what I tell you to do. You stand where I tell you. And if you don't, you die where you stand. It is that pure and it's that simple. And that's the way the land is. That's what happened to them. They were besieged. <laughs> they were besieged. And Jeremiah 25, 11 says this. And by the way, so you'll understand the context, you have three prophets, Ezekiel, Daniel, and Jeremiah, all contemporaries, okay? All guys who lived in the same season, and they all prophesied about this. Here's what Jeremiah told them, Jeremiah 25, 11. And the whole land shall be a desolation. Read that with me, please. Come on. And the whole, this whole land shall be what? A desolation, which means complete emptiness. And an astonishment, there's that word I like, astonishment. Wow, <laughs> man, this whole land's going to be desolation and it's going to be astonishing. It's going it's to be an astonishment. It's like you look at it, you go, wow, you lost everything. You're not an engineer anymore. You don't work where anymore. You don't own your house. Wow, they took everything you have. <laughs> and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. Oh, boy, this is not going to be an overnight thing, is it? This is a long-term problem. So you're going to die in this state. This is something that is so des This is so, so going to destroy everything that you have. Your life no longer is what you thought it was going to be. This is complete emptiness. This is desolation. So why did God give this them over? Well, because, number one, remember, if you don't recall history, they, they were already divided because the, there was 12 tribes of Israel. Ten was in the north, two was in the south. This happened because of rebellion, the rebellion of Solomon. If you want to write this down, it's not in your notes. First Kings 11. First Kings 11, you write this, write this, write that down. First Kings chapter 11. Um, 
They were divided north and south. 1 Kings 11, 11. God told Solomon, because of your rebellion and because you've done what you've, because you've, you've served these other gods now, and I warned you not to, I'm going to divide the kingdom. Ten will go to the north and two to the south. I won't do it while you're living for David's sake, but I want you to understand this is because of your rebellion, Solomon. One of the wisest men of the, men of the world made a decision that caused his descendants, listen carefully, to have a reality that was painful. Solomon set this up, and so now here we are, north and south divided, so they can't even fight together. They're weakened. And then secondly, they refuse to listen. That's the big reason. They would not listen. They refused to listen. And because of that, judgment came, desolation came, and so now you have a long-term problem. Think about that for a minute. What's it like to be one of the four guys we're going to study and you didn't do anything. Your life now is damaged because of the decisions of everybody around you. God made it so that we're in this together. It's one of my little favorite sayings. If I'm on a train and if it's crowded and I say, hey, we're in this together. And we are. We're on this bus together. We have to find a seat, find a way to make this work because we're in this together. Can you say that with him? Say, we are, we are in this, in this. together. If you don't raise your son, your son robs me. We're in this together. I'm sorry. We're, we're not alone. Four guys lined up, freedom taken, names changed. Imagine that. Imagine if I just changed your name because I wanted to. What's your name? Not anymore. Susan. Just because I wanted to be Susan. You're Bartholomew. <laughs> Frank. <laughs> Imagine that. Just go down the road. I change your name. I do it all. And so things now have changed forever. What's it like to be in this state? All because no one would listen. I want to show you this. Listen to me. There's, there's a list of things here. There's a danger. When you wait, Jeremiah 25 one says what happens and I want to show you this this is just an incredible verse he says you can you can you can run you can you um, verse 1 of chapter 25 the word uh, that came to Jeremiah concerning all the prophet people of Judah in the fourth year of King Jehoiakim the son of Josiah king of Judah which was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon and some of you say I don't care about all that but keep reading which Jeremiah the prophet spoke to all the people of Judah and to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, From the thirteenth year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, even to this day. This is the twenty read this with me, please. This is the what? Twenty-third year in which the word of the Lord has come to me. And I have what? Spoken to you. How long have you been talking to them? One more time. How many how many how long? Skip down to verse 4. I put it in both prints. And he said, you have not what? Listened. How long have you been talking? 23 years. 23 years, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel had heard them prophesy about the behavior of the people. And they had not listened. Listening is key to building the right foundation. 
Not listening is key to destroying a good foundation. These were people who decided not to listen. And here is the result. When you don't listen, there are four things I want you to consider that could happen in your life. You ready? Number one, read it with me, please. Say, you can run out of time. Come on. You don't have forever. When you see these four guys we're going to study all lined up together, time was up. Now, they didn't do anything, but it didn't matter. Time was up. When I see families that are all messed up, I wonder sometimes, is this the result of them running out of time? I know I feel badly. I mean, I want to save them and do something. But, but I'm wondering if this is not the result of you having gone to school, not done your work, gone to school, and finally the professor says, I, I refuse to give you another grace. I am going to flunk you out of this class, and if you come back, you need to bring some more money because I'm not, I'm not giving you any more grace. Now, you're angry, but I wonder, did you just run out of time? I wonder in some marriages when I see it at the very end and I'm, I'm, you're at the end, I wonder if you've slapped them so many times and said you're sorry so many times after cussing them so many times and after so many times and so many times being unfaithful and so many times and then after just one, all of a sudden, time's up. Clock struck 12, it's over. You know, I see you at 11.58 and so I'm praying with you, but I don't realize you came to me at 11.58. You've had scores of chances. The judge knows you by name. You're praying on the way to court, but he knows you by name, and he knows your daddy and your granddaddy. He knows your whole family. It's a tribe of crime. And when he talked to you at 11 o'clock, he said, listen, don't come back in here again. Don't come back in here again. Do not come back. If you come back before me again, there will be no mercy. You're going to do the time you have on paper, and you're going to do the new time. Yes, sir. I'm going to overcome by faith. Watch out. <laughs> don't mention my name. Don't say nothing. Just, just say you're going to church. Say, say uh, I don't know. <laughs> what church can I say? <laughs> uh, if you do say my name, they say, I know Pastor Rick told you better than this. Now, I know. I love you. I'll claim you, praise God. I will put my arm around you. I mean it. I do. I <laughs> I, it's so funny. I go to prison. They say, hey, Pastor Rick. I say, hey. <laughs> At least you got a prison ministry now. All right. <laughs> you have to love everybody. Yeah, you do. But I wonder if, if it's just a time issue with you. And he'll look at the preacher for a second. You're all upset and you're worried. And the Lord says, you know, 23 years of talking. I've said this again and again and again and again and again. I've talked to you about the decisions you're making. I've talked to you more than once, twice, ten times. And so now the doctor's talking to you, and it's 11.50. And the doctor has said to you at 11.50, you need to think about this, because you're going to 11.55 fast. You might can back up to 11.15 if you slow down a little bit, but you all the way, 11.56. <laughs> and you say, Jesus. <laughs> what is that? Jesus. What is that? What is that? 11.58. Jesus. 
59. Oh, God, Jesus. Lord, Jesus. 59. Hold on, Jesus. One second. Yeah. Here we go, Jesus. Hold on. Okay, a picture's worth a thousand words, praise God. <laughs> you can run out of time. Run out of time. I've seen it. I was walking down um, Vermont. Yeah, Vermont. Guy was, I was crossing the street, right, right side of the street. That's the east, west side of the street. Three guys coming this way, one guy going that way. I think they were Crips. I think he was, I don't know. And they hit him. Pow. I was standing there real close, 1159. That's his 1159. I don't know. This, this. I just, I just, in my head, I, I remember, I've seen people at 1159. I've seen it. I, I heard this guy outside my door. I'll never forget as a kid. Don't kill me. I'm sorry. Too late. That's what the guy told him. Too late. I remember that man screaming, and they dragged him in front of my house, and they stabbed him to death. Eleven fifty-nine. Called the police, but they got there twelve oh five. He was dead in front of my house. Eleven fifty-nine. What time is it? How much time do you have? Before you lose your job. The danger of waiting too long to listen is number one, you can run out of time. Number two, you can provoke God to anger. You can you can you can really provoke God to anger. This is an interesting concept because people don't like it. Um, here's what he said. This is Jeremiah talking, Jeremiah 25 and 6. Do not go after other gods to serve them and worship them. Do not provoke me to anger with the works of your hands is what you do with these hands he gave you and I will not harm you yet you have not listened to me verse 7 said says the Lord that you might provoke me to anger with the works of your hands to your own hurt okay reverend you know I I like church but here's a problem I don't like hell and brimstone stuff I got it I got it I didn't write it I, I didn't write it I have nothing to do with the message. I'm just telling you what it says. You, you can provoke God in your life. I see people do things sometimes, and I said, I'd be afraid to do that. Because I don't want to create for myself an unnecessary moment or season or judgment or emptiness, that emptiness that comes with not listening. 
Thirdly, you can not only run out of time, you can provoke God. Thirdly, you can impact your family's freedom. Therefore, verse 8 says of Jeremiah 25, 25, Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Because you have not heard my words, behold, I will send and take all the families of the earth, of the north, says the Lord. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against this land. I'm going to bring an enemy against you, against its inhabitants and against these nations all around, and will utterly destroy them and make them an astonishment. There's that word again, astonishment. Wow, an astonishment and a hissing. Wow, wow. And a perpetual desolation. It's going to be a mess. Now, sometimes when I see people and one thing after another thing after another thing, I'm saying, is this, is this, is this, the devil or is this judgment? And, and sometimes in my life when I see one thing after another thing, after, I, I want to back the train up a little bit and say, okay, Temple, are you in line? Is this, are you hurting because you didn't exercise? Is that, is that why your knee and your back is all they're in coordination together? Is that because you refuse to do anything? Is that, is that why we're here? Is this the devil or because you won't walk? What is this? I mean, please, for a moment, are you constantly in strife in relationships because everybody you date, you cuss out? Everybody is the equal opportunity cussing. You fight. You have fought everybody you fell in love with. Everybody. It didn't matter. You, you're an equal opportunity person. You don't like any pastor you ever served under. Eventually, they fail you in some spiritual way and you judge them. You rail on them, and then and, and you storm out the door again. And you storm back in, and you storm back out. Just, just, just like that's what you do. And so if you could pause for a minute and say, man, is this like a lifestyle? And it always impacts more than me. This is what he said. He said, your, your family is impacted. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in line, stripped of their names, stripped of their freedom for 70 years. They're going to die in this state because of my choices. Man. Man. You guys laughed at me when I told you I was a big grand pop pop, pop, whatever I am, and I was going to do, I joined this association of grandfathers <laughs> to do research on what it meant to be a granddad, and I did. And I learned some amazing things. It's one of my greatest lesson in that little year or so of research that I did. They're, they're absent grandfathers, and they're present grandfathers. And the present grandfathers have a great impact on the economic stability of families. They, they have studies that show the impact of not just the dad being present, but grandfather being present. I didn't study grandmothers because that's her job, not mine. <laughs> I did my research. Because I really wanted, I really was fascinated with what, it, what my presence would mean. And, and how, how I contribute not just financially, but just in my presence, my wisdom, my insights, my experience. There's something about 
understanding the role you play in the good and the bad outcomes. Okay, how could, how could you have a grandfather who's 60 years old, who's in the mall doing this? Yo, baby. Mm-hmm. Sit there, baby. Hold on, hold on, Milani. Hold on. Woo, girl. What is your name? Heart attack. That's your name. Heart attack. <laughs> That's your name, girl. Heart attack. You are causing a cardiac arrest at this moment. They might arrest you. The only way you get free is you give me them digits. See? Uh-huh. Somebody said, that's bad. He's bad. Aren't you glad I'm saved? See? Aren't you glad? I know you. Somebody said, no, nah, that's a horrible line. Don't be. But you get the point. I mean, this is a dirty old man. How do you not affect your family? You in the room and nobody going to come in now. Oh, y'all better stay out for an hour. <laughs> this is adult room right this minute. And, and your grandkid pull up your computer and looking for Barney and finds Barnesha <laughs> with no clothes on. I mean, you know what I'm saying. Do you, do you think, you know, it's amazing. I'm not, I'm not putting anybody down. But people know you know you. He said, your kids are going to be captured. So he told them, it doesn't stop with you. <laughs> you wish it would, but it doesn't. Number four, the danger of waiting too long to listen. You can run out of time. Number two, you can provoke God to anger. Number three, you can impact your family's freedom. Number four and final one, you can impact your family's joy. The joy in your family can be sucked out. Moreover, verse 10, I will take from them, this is Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 10, I will take from them the voice of mirth or joy and the voice of, the glad, of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstone, and the light of the lamp, verse 11, and those, this whole land shall be a desolation, big word again, and what? Astonishment. Wow. It's going to be wow what happened to them. Did you see that family? Wow. Whoa, man, it's astonishing. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon. For how long? So I've told you guys this for 23 years. But you're not listening. You want to build a better foundation? You've got to change that. And here's the key. God's real simple. Start today. Today. Hey, let me, let me give you my little rule. Feeling bad doesn't change anything. Looking in the mirror feeling bad doesn't make you lose any weight. Feeling bad doesn't put any money in my account. Feeling bad doesn't do anything. If, I, if, I'm, if I'm all broke up feeling bad doesn't make me get better. Feeling bad doesn't. What's going to make me feel better is this. I got to move. What's going to make me feel better is praying and talking to God. What's going to make me feel better is saying, okay. I've lived in the land of fool. This is my little way of saying it. I've lived in the land of fool, and I've decided to pack my bags and move. I've lived over here long enough. It's time for me now to decide to build a better foundation because I want a better life for me. I want a better Ricky. I have a better vision, and I'm ready to move. If you're ready to move, give God a big amen. Come on, amen. Praise God. Father, I thank you today in Jesus' name. 
when we decide to make this move, there's one thing that's going to happen that's going to surprise all of us. I'm going to pause this prayer and I want you to look at me when I tell you this. When you make this decision to build a better foundation, when you say, I'm not going to feel guilty about my kids, I'm going to tell them I'm sorry, I made you crazy, I apologize. You need to go hear the sermon, maybe you'll be better. But now that I've made this decision, I'm about to enter into some difficult seasons. It's not, it's not easy. It's not going to be fair. This is not something that was fixed in five seconds. Not at all. They had to go through seasons of hostility, challenge, change. They were still going to be slaves. Here's what I think is important for you to understand. Your prayers oftentimes are unwisely crafted. Here's how you pray. Deliver me, God, from all of my consequences, all the seed I've sown, everything I've ever done. Let it not hurt anymore. I cut off my arm, but I want you to grow it back. I cut off all these 10 people in my life, but I want you to make them all forget everything I've stole from them. No. Here's what, here's what you should pray. Father, I've sown some seed. And now I must manage hostility. I thank you for the grace and the strength to rise above it. I want you to put your stuff down. I want you to stand with me for a second. I've done some things. I've said some things. I've sown some seed. I'm on a job that I don't like and I'm not going to be able to leave for the next 10 years. I need the money. I am in a season of my life I am not going to get a divorce but boy this is not easy Jesus and so now I'm choosing to listen but listening to you does not mean I will not face hostility it does not mean that I will not have a challenge but I do covenant to listen to you if you've heard God today in some unique way I don't know what you heard I want you to step out and come to this altar. I'm praying for people today. Pastor Rick, that message I heard, I don't know what it means to you. Step out of the altar. Just come on down. If you're here today, you said, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. What I heard today has motivated me. It's, it's, it sparked something in me. Tell your neighbor, excuse me, please, and come down. And I want you, whether you're home or whether you're here, I want you to tune in right now because this is the moment. This is our prayer Sunday. This is the moment when you say, God, you know, I want prayer for whatever is going on in my life, whatever is happening in my life. Sometimes our life gets a little bit out of sync. Sometimes our thinking gets out of sync. Sometimes we're trying. We're really trying. Good people. But our heart, Lord God, needed an awakening. And today I decide I need a new foundation. I, a new way of doing business. A new way of managing my anger. A new way of managing my love life. A new way of managing my emotions. My, my, my relationship with my family. I need a new foundation. This has not been working well. Come close, come close, everybody. Get close together. Slide in together. This is, this is the moment when you make a declaration. I hear you, God. I hear you. I hear you. This is what made David different. 
David was flawed. David had a lust problem. David was angry. David made decisions that were not wise. He got in trouble more than once or twice or ten times. But he was a man after God's own heart. He was a man who could say, I get it. I hear you, God, talking to me. Anybody else want to come today? We're just going to pray for you for any need in your life, something that was spoken to your life today. We believe that God will touch you. Every hand lifted, both here and at home, in the audience and at the altar. Father, touch every individual today. Every person who has heard a message that spoke to them about their life. And there's something that they said, I need to listen differently. Father, there are people in this room, when I say that thing about kids, it struck their heart. And they feel guilty. I rebuke that guilt. May they say, I hear you, God. I, I repent. I'm sorry. But I thank you for the power of God that's able to touch my kids. You're able, Lord God, to redeem what was lost. You're able to save. We may not have the same freedoms, but we can have the same victory. You gave Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego freedom in bondage. You gave them victory, Lord God, where their lives were freer than they could have ever imagined. You opened doors for them. I pray that we as a people would embrace the challenge of our lives, the challenge of our circumstances, the things that we are not going to change today. We embrace, Lord God, the process of healing, and we believe that God's hand is on us right now. Come on, say, God's hand is on my life. I believe God's hand is on my life. I trust him in seasons of hostility. I will listen and trust God to guide me through. So, Lord, I declare in Jesus' name that the Holy Spirit would take this moment and that we would become better listeners. And not just listeners who can rotely say back what was said to us, but leaders, listeners who apply what they've learned. And Father, I give you praise. As I, before I close this out, I want you to look at me for a second. There are levels of learning. And one of the things I learned years ago is what they call the rote level of learning, where you just say what you heard. You don't really know how to spell it, what it means, or anything. If I said Uranus, you would say, say the word, please. It means heaven. Hoi Uranus means the heaven. And that's how they would say it in Greek. Hoi Uranus is the, the heaven where God lives. Now, you just heard me say that. So you can rotely say it back. But you can't write it. Because you can't write Greek. So you, you can't go write it. You wouldn't know how to write the rough breather, the small. And you wouldn't know. Is that not true? So, so I understand that's just rotely said. But it's something different when you get to the next level of learning. A level where you can not only say it, but you understand it. So if I asked you where you live, you could tell me the address, but you know the house. I can walk up to your house, walk in your house, but I don't know the house. I don't know what stuff is in the cupboard. But how many of you know where your beans are? You know where the rice is, right? You know where the popsicles are, right? I don't know. You want to get to that level of learning where you're not just saying something. You're not just saying Jesus. You know Jesus. Come on, say amen, right? You know Jesus. Praise God. Father, we, we want to know you today. We want to be touched by you today. 
We want your word working in our lives today. We want you to deliver us today. Oh God, we leave this service today transformed. We leave this service today with our hearts open, our minds open, believing that you have us in your hands. And we hear you today. We're listening. Thank you for your forgiveness. There is therefore now no guilt or condemnation in Christ. We release that in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, after hearing the message, I realize I need one last prayer. I have not given my life to Jesus, but I need to. What you said spoke to me about my walk with God. If you're here and you want me to pray for you, whether you're here or home and you're saying, you know, Pastor, pray for me. My walk with God is the issue. I want to know him, but I have not been serving him, but I want you to pray for me. So that when I leave you today, I know I'm right with God. If that's you, raise your hand so I can pray for you. If you say, pray for me, Pastor. I've not been walking with God, but I want to be. Anybody at all say, pray for me. This is my moment of trans. I see your hand. Anybody else saying, pray for me. Pray for me. Some of you are lifting your heart. Father, we pray for those who lift their hearts and their hands, both here and at home. May this be the transforming moment in their life. And may they say, in Jesus' name, I get it. I'm listening. You know, I don't need 23 more years. I get it today. In Jesus' name. And everybody say amen.